As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Oh, I hate these flood pants. Hey, they're working! My feet are soaked, but my cups are bone dry. Everything's coming up Millhouse. Hello, everybody, and welcome to, or should I say, welcome back to The View from the Lane, the Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic. We've had a very short break, and now we're back, 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 at least once a week between now and the start of the actual football season, which, let's be fair, is not very far away at all. I'm Danny Kelly, and I'm joined on our first podcast of the summer by Jack Pitbrook and Charlie Eccleshare. Three weeks since we last recorded a show, a lot going on at Spurs since then. Jack, you've been covering England over the last few weeks, but, but what have you made of, from a slight distance, what's going on at White Hart Lane? Yeah, it's been good. It's weird to think that the last time we did our pod was, what, 26th of May. That evening, I thought there was, a, what, a 50-50 chance that Conte would stay or go? And I was kind of mentally preparing myself for the possibility, that, oh my God, he's going to walk. Uh, and then it was only the next morning, Friday the 27th, that, you know... I got wind that he was going to be staying and they were having this meeting in Turin that day with Paratici. And suddenly, all you know, since then, it's just been up and up and up for Tottenham. You know, they've got Perisic through the door. They've got Fraser Forster through the door. There's more guys coming in. It sounds like they're going to be ambitious in the transfer market this summer. And all that kind of, you know, all that kind of worrying we were doing about Conte's future now seems a very long time in the past. You feel the same way, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, I said um, everything's coming up Millhouse on the last episode and everything's continued that way, even more so. I mean, it's been an incredible... Um, I mean, it's basically been like everything Spurs fans have, or all fans want from a close season. I mean, leaving us... Obviously, Conte's massive, but even just the transfer uh, window, they it, it just seems very common sense um, and, you know, doing the work early, which we're always told is a really, really good thing. I mean, I always find it funny with transfers because you, obviously, we don't know how good a team's window has been until much, much later. But, you know, you think about Paris Saint-Germain last season. Yeah, or Everton in 2017. I remember they won the window in inverted commas and then their manager was sacked a couple of months later with them in the relegation zone. So, yeah, it's hard to know. But on the face of it, it, it appears to be you know, Conte is getting his wishes. You know, they've got this big uh, injection of cash. It looks like that's going on players. So I think, um, yeah, at the moment, it feels like everything's everything's rosy. And certainly, 
cast your mind back to this time a year ago when Spurs were in the midst of lurching from Conte to Fonseca to Gattuso via various other names landing on Nuno. I mean, the mood could genuinely barely be more different from that. Yeah, I noticed, I noticed Gattuso has finally got another job despite the opposition of the Valencia fans. Um, Isn't I, I, it funny I, how Valencia seems to end up with these... George Mendes' clients as manager. Isn't who, it funny? Uh, yeah. Who couldn't, who, who couldn't get a job elsewhere. I, I actually think the former manager of Tottenham Hotspur, Nuno Espirito Santo, was such a person. Having uh, landed the Valencia job, you know, one of the biggest clubs in Spain, off, off the back of what a short brief spell with Rio Ave. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Peter Lim makes him manager of Valencia. What are the chances? Yeah, Pit Rene Gattuso out on a limb, as they say. Um, listen, um, I, I, I totally agree with it. It's absolutely no need to pour even a, a pipette of cold water on what you're saying. My only thing, as I would say, here comes to pipette, is that you know, signing a 33 year old free transfer to play left wing back and a 34-year-old free transfer to sign to play as goalkeeper. I understand why both players are important. We'll talk about them. It's still not quite um, flagship marquee signings. We shall see. They, 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 they take a little longer doing it. Of course, this ludicrous extension of the Nations League because of the World Cup in Qatar means that I think it's actually, even for Paratici with his multiple phones and private jets, it's been quite a d- difficult time to grab hold of the, the, the most important players. We'll get on to the players in a second this morning, and I hope people would expect us to comment on this. The fixtures have been published. So Spurs start, Jack, with a home game against Southampton, then away to Chelsea, got to play them sometime. Uh, Wolves home and Forest away. They could easily be top after a few games um, like they were last year. The, the interesting one for here, for me here, both of you really, is that we saw last year that the only fixture that phased Antonio Conte was the games against Chelsea where he picked weird teams, acted strange himself, and there it is, second game of the season. Well, we were having a laugh a few weeks ago about whether or not, when whether Conte would break the uh, the land record for managerial gracelessness if uh, if Tottenham were to win at Stamford Bridge. Unfortunately, we're going to find out really relatively quite soon because that's that's Tottenham. That is Tottenham's second game, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because it's you know we've discussed this on the podcast before. I think Tottenham are better than Chelsea. I think they were better than Chelsea for. The, the, most of the second half of last season. And I know people are saying, oh, but they lost to Chelsea three times, and they did. But, you know, from fe- let's say from February, March onwards, they are be- they were better. And if they could beat... I mean, I'm not generally a fan of the whole, like, the way, you know, the way people describe games as laying down a marker or sending a message or that kind of thing. But if Tottenham could win that game at Stamford Bridge, I know, you know, we're getting quite far ahead of ourselves here. It would be a big marker, I think, for the relative level of the teams. It's, it's funny as well because Conte said in as, as early as March, uh, I've got the quote here, in, in relation to Chelsea, he talked about how Chelsea, when they played us, showed they're better in every aspect. He says, I would like to have another chance to see which is our level. And I'm sure now our level has improved a lot. Uh, and yeah, the, the implication being he wanted another crack at his former club. That was then. Obviously, now they're even further along. And I think he'll be desperate, desperate. To go and show how far they've come, because those that was a humiliating sequence, losing three games to them in the same month without scoring a goal. It's it's interesting. I mean, a few quirks from this. I mean, the you say about yeah, it could be top. They they lost the first three games. Yeah. They lost the equivalent fixtures last season, and indeed they obviously didn't play Forest, which is the fourth. Fifth is West Ham away, and they lost that. So. I mean, so much has changed since then, so I don't think that really means a huge amount. It's, it's more a quirk than anything else. But, I mean, the, the main thing that... Well, there are a few things from it. it. What is quite extraordinary is in the first 12 games of the season, they go away to five of last season's top seven. 
And obviously they can't play themselves. So that only leaves Liverpool away of the, in theory, toughest away games after the first 12 games. That's, pretty, that's a pretty incredible early sequence. In some ways, that's, that's, a, that's a really good thing, isn't it? You want to get those tough games out of the way in a, 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 while you still have a chance to change the, the shape of the season in the second half of the season. And of course, we, un, we understand this is a season like no other, other with having a, a World Cup in the middle of the season. Yeah. Um, who knows? So you're going to have the World Cup, then the transfer window, one on top of the other. So you've got eight or nine very strange weeks. Um, essentially, we've gone to Argentinian model here with a with an Apertura and a Clausera season. And if, England, if Spurs can play all the difficult games away to the to the top half rivals um, in the first half, I think Conte's the sort of bloke who can take those four weeks of the World Cup, those five weeks of the World Cup to reset. And I wonder whether that's actually a small advantage to Spurs. To me, the the, trans, the, the, the opening of the, the fixture list says that you know we we are un, Spurs are unlikely to get as many points off Liverpool and Manchester City as they got last season. So the important games are the likes of Southampton at home, Wolves at home, and Forest away. Those are the games that they mustn't be messing up as regularly as they did last season. Completely, yeah. The the other thing that I like about the the, the fixture list, and this is very important to me. Tottenham start with a Saturday 3pm kickoff at home. My former friend and colleague Jim Mariner pointed out on, sorry, former colleague, still my friend, pointed out on on Twitter <laughs> that Tottenham haven't had a Saturday 3pm home game in the Premier League since December 2019. That is so long ago. That was, you know, that was kind of Mourinho was just taken over. It's pre-COVID. Uh, for- well, that was that was the the Burnley 5 nil because I tweeted yeah. this as well. It was the Burnley 5 nil. The uh, Son Heung-min wonder goal. I mean, J- Johnny Veal at the at PA has been beating this drum for a while that it's been so, so long. So I did, as soon as the fixtures came out, I thought of him and I, I looked at it because once because the, the TV picks have been made, so it is set in stone. And yeah, bring out the bunting. It's been, we've been so close. Leicester was going to be it and then they got through to the Conference League semi-final, so it's moved. So big subplot. I'm really looking forward to the return of Saturday games. Like I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. Fans. I imagine fans feel similarly. But one of the annoying things about Tottenham being in the, you know, playing the Thursday night competitions over the last two years is basically all their Premier League games have been on a Sunday, and it's you know, obviously football is better on a Saturday than a Sunday. Uh, so I'm looking forward to Tottenham being back on Saturdays this season. I'm pleased that they're you know, starting on getting off to the best possible start. The Arsenal games, for those interested in this sort of thing, are, are the 1st of October at, uh, at their place and 14th of January. They haven't risked a rerun of last season where the entire season rests on the North London derby. Well, it's the, well, it's the same now. weekend as what it should have been. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly um, that. And, and one for I know that you you at the Athletics. What spurious uh, reasons will Arsenal find for calling oh, off the game this season? I think they might have learned a lesson yeah, there, Jack. I, if they got any sense <laughs> about them at all, um, and you want to get one of your minions there. I always think that playing at home on the first day of a new season is a it's a marginal advantage, but it's definitely an advantage to start with a home game. Um, and I noticed that in the long, long years of Saint Totteringham. Arsenal had a preponderance of a Spurs played the first game away from home. I seem to recall, like seven years out of nine, and now suddenly one team has slight domination over the other, certainly in terms of league placings. And suddenly the computer, which is completely random, they start to put that team at home for whatever reason. We'll we'll, we'll look back into that later on. Um, and the last three games, I think, were because you know who knows where Spurs what they'll be fighting for. Not clashes against giant teams. Uh, away to Villa. Home to Brentford and away to Leeds. Um, I, I usually have some conspiracy about the fixture list. They look perfectly 
I, I actually quite like the look of them. I, maybe I'm just looking forward to the season. Those last four games for Spurs are fairly gentle. Just before then, they have what I think is their toughest run because they've got Newcastle away on the 22nd of April, United at home on the 25th of April, and then Liverpool away on the 29th of April. So that's three really tough games in the space of a week. But you're, you're always going to have that cluster. Yeah, I mean... I, I, I can't see a massive issue. The, the thing well, is, as well, Charlie, is that, let me ask you, what, how do they dovetail with the Champions League semi-finals? I, well, exactly. I was going to say, um, with, with all of this, a lot of the time you don't really know because you don't know what team's other commitments are. So you might have those horrible runs where, well, in Spurs' case, it wouldn't feel very horrible, but you're away at the Allianz on the yeah. uh, on the Wednesday night and then at Newcastle on the Saturday. But uh, what yeah, brilliant what maybe getting slightly ahead of ourselves. What brilliant worries to have uh, to have. Yeah, these are brilliant worries. Exactly. Aren't they? Yeah. Also, it's good that Spurs is. I mean, Spurs have got Leeds as their last game before the World Cup break, which is going to be. I mean, those those games either side of the World Cup are going to be bizarre. You know, I don't imagine. I don't think I'm impugning the players too much to suggest that the players won't be playing 110. percent on Saturday the 12th of November when they fly to Doha three days later. I mean, that is just For mad, the World Cup, it? which is bizarre. Like, um, I imagine that, you know, so England will probably fly on maybe Monday the 14th or Tuesday the 15th to Qatar, probably Monday the 14th, I'd imagine. And then even, even I think that, that that is so weird. Even weirder than that is the turnaround from World Cup final, Sunday, Sunday the 18th mm. of November to... Brentford versus Tottenham Monday the 26th of <laughs> a December. Week later. Just imagine, like, imagine, I mean, I, you know, think, strange things would have to happen in the group for this to happen. But imagine if it's like an England France World Cup final. Totally plausible. I think England France, you know, two of the best, let's say three or four yep. teams at the World Cup. Uh, Kane versus Lloris. And then eight days later, you've got you've got Kane and Lloris turning out for Tottenham. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous that the players are going to, uh, uh, that this has been demanded of the players. And it's, it means, I think, that making predictions for the second half of next season is so hard. That's why it's probably a good thing that Spurs are getting their hard away games out out in the kind of normal Absolutely. first half of the season because the second half of the season will be so abnormal and the players will be totally shattered. I just think it's an amazing mentally. opportunity for the coaches to show their mettle here because it is a completely weird second half. You've still got half the points of the season to play for but the players are either elated by what they've done or have had a, ma- a lot an extended holiday in the middle of the season. Really, a lot of things could change in that in that uh, second 19 games. Can't wait uh, in many ways. That's the fixture list. Um, thank you for your thoughts on that. Let's move on to transfers. We've got to start with Eve Bissouma, which I'm Eve Bissouming will take uh, place in the next few hours. I've got to be honest and say that um, before we can discuss him as a footballer, it's important for us to say that Bissouma was arrested on the suspicion of a sexual assault in October of last year. He's released under investigation and has been permitted, for instance, to travel to the Cameroon to play in the African Nations Cup in January. Now, that police investigation is ongoing. And under British law, we are not allowed to go into further details regarding the case at this point. Um, So I hope you'll forgive us for not um, going on some long dissertations about ifs, buts and maybes. That's down to the police. All we hope, of course, is that justice is properly served. We are, of course, allowed in the meanwhile to discuss Basuma's abilities on the pitch. And Charlie, in the defeat against Brighton at the uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium not so very long ago, he was, to my untrained eye at least, the outstanding player on the pitch. Well, yeah, I've I've got a big piece out this morning on Basuma and what he brings to Spurs. Um, and I and I was at that game sitting next to Andy Naylor, who covers Brighton for the Athletic. And and Basuma is one of these players. Every time I see him. He looks amazing. I mean, I think he's just so, so good. And I always think, 
why, you know, when is he going to, you know, with all due respect to Brighton, when is he going to join one of the Premier League's, you know, big six or, you know, teams that regular, regularly in Europe, whatever you want to call them. So I think it's an amazing signing. And I, w- I was saying to Andy, I was like, it's, whenever I see him, he's amazing. Is, is that fair? You know, is he one of these players who, you know, because inevitably I only really see Brighton against Spurs and a few of the other biggest teams. Um, is that fair? And he said, to be honest, this season he has been so much more consistent Rarely dropping less than kind of seven out of ten. I think that was the issue. And Potter talked about this, uh, and we referred to it in the piece that you know he demanded that he did become more consistent. I just think he's an incredible player and and gives Conte something that he's wanted since he joined, which is someone who can drop deep, stitch things together, pick the ball up, drive forward, pick a pass. I mean, he was basically tra- he's one of those players who's so good that it can feel like you've got two... He's, like, doing the job of two players on the pitch. I mean, he was the deepest line midfielder for Brighton, often that kind of sole defensive pivot. And I was talking to people kind of, you know, close to Brighton, and they were saying he does... He just makes all the other players look so much better because of his energies and his abilities on the ball and his intelligence as well. Like, he, he's amazing. And, like, those two games... Both games at... Uh, that Brighton played at Spurs Stadium last season, but won in the FA Cup in which Basuma scored and was brilliant. And then that game, yeah, which Brighton won and, and he absolutely ran the show. So I think it's an incredible signing and, you know, they've got him relatively on the cheap. You know, the figure is slightly disputed, depends who you speak to, but we're, you know, somewhere between 25 and 30 million pounds plus add-ons. And, and, and that's, you know, massively skewed by the fact he only has a year left on his contract. And that's kind of what I mean about the, he's exactly the sort of signing that I think all fans uh, would want. It, it just feels incredibly common sense. And, you know, he's Premier League ready. He's of a good age. He's exactly the kind of players Conte has talked about wanting. He Conte went on this rant um, after the January transfer window talking about mistakes, mistakes, mistakes. He used that word over and over again and strange. He kept saying strange. Basically in relation to, he was basically saying, how can you have a transfer window where you're letting go of Ndombele, Lo Celso, Brian Hill? Who? It's because Who? mistakes were made. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. You know, because we didn't sign Premier League players and he talked about how Premier League is basically like a different sport. So you need to be very, very careful about the players you bring in. And so... Basuma feels like someone precisely what he wants and needs. But equally then, it, the logic of what Antonio Conte says there, and I do not disagree with him, uh, Jack, is that you have to be careful of what Premier League proven players you discard because they are uh, apparently this very rare and special commodity. Everyone's assuming, Jack, that it'll be at a, at, with the current um, players, but Bentancur and Basuma will be the midfield. Is there a, I mean, is he a, a huge upgrade on Pierre Emile Hoiberg? And is there a possibility that he'll go, uh, that Conte will go full Julius Francis, to use uh, this week's, uh, today's uh, proper term, but he's and play Hoiberg and Bissouma as a kind of task force? I'm not sure if I can see him playing Hoiberg and Bissouma. I think it'll be Bissouma and Benton Kerr, don't you? I think that that's a really good, I just think that Spurs is two best midfielders. Bissouma is. I agree with Charlie. I think Basuma is an amazing player. Like his kind of close control, his ability to beat people in tight spaces, and like you'll see him under pressure. He, he's actually like he's kind of a bit of what Bentancur has, which is you know you see him under pressure with the ball, and then he's kind of burst away from from two opponents near him, and he's and he's running forward with the ball. Like he he is yeah he's a great player. I think he'll be. His long passing is yeah. underrated as well. He hits the people at the front mm. with. Not monotonous regularity, but pretty regularly. And I can see Kuliszewski 
if it's him and Son benefiting from, from from that long raking pass that he seems to be able to do to either side of the pitch. Yeah, I mean it's a lot. It's a lot of work playing midfield for a Conte team, particularly if there's only two of you. What he demands huge amounts of running off the ball and pressing, as well as you know ability to implement and execute his particular tactical instructions. So I reckon it'll be those two. Hoiberg will play less. Then you've got Skip as well, and I imagine Winks will go. But then the fact is, you know, as we've discussed a lot, Tottenham got lucky last year having one game a week, the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. And next year it's going to be really tough. As Charlie was saying a minute ago, you know, mm-hmm. you've got Real Madrid away, and then you've got Liverpool away, and then you've got, you know, another Champions League game, even if it's not Real Madrid away, just like a, a, t- a really hard, tough Champions League game. Like, this is not, this is, you know, it's going to be a very, very different looking season. Uh, particularly given that the six Premier League, the six Champions League group games are squeezed into, I think, eight weeks um, in September, yeah, October, mad. November, which is crazy and it's never happened before. So Spurs are going to need depth. And, and five subs this season, which Conte's yeah. mentioned a lot. So that it becomes even more depth, important. Depth, depth, depth. They really need, you know, they're going to need, diff, you know, they're going to need lots and lots of players they can call on because you can't, you know, you can't just operate with twelve or thirteen players, which is basically what Tottenham did from. I mean, February they, they, they were May finishing games, Danny, with you know a bunch of academy play, unproven, untested academy players on the bench. You know, and Conte made no, you know he made no secret yeah. that we need a bigger squad. We need to have a bench because with five subs, you're going to be having le- you're going to be having Man City emptying their bench with Mares, Sterling, Bernardo Silva, whoever's not starting. And I and I do think this mm-hmm. does mark. I think this window is going to mark a bit of a departure for Spurs. I don't think we've ever really seen them upgrading on existing players who are kind of who are doing a good job. And so Pierre Emil Hoybier, he didn't really do a lot wrong last season. Would you yeah. say he de- would you say he deserves to I lose his place? Good. I don't think so. But what ambitious teams do nope. is they bring in better players and they wait till we well, get on to Ben Davies in a exactly, couple of seconds. Exactly, but I've even I think it would be that, a pretty yeah. landmark. Mm-hmm. Signing for them, if they bring in someone like Rafinha or Richarlison who they're being linked with, that's a kind of, to me, that's a more Chelsea-Man City signing where you've already got a brilliant front three, which Spurs have, but you're saying, well, we're not satisfied with that. We want to we want to kind of strengthen, we want to ruffle some feathers. That's massive. You're both making the points, and let's bring them all together. Five substitutes, or, and I absolutely guarantee this will happen in the Premier League during the course of the next 12 months, with the two Concussion subs, lads. Somebody mm-hmm. will change seven players in their team in the course of one football match. You watch them. The World Cup, so that strange gap in the middle of the season, and the fact that the, the champion, the, all the European games are being mashed into a very short period of time. All bets are off about how you run a squad these days. And I bet you before the ball is kicked, somebody will be saying hmm. 25 isn't enough. Why are we being forced to restrict ourselves like this? Everything's changed. And the big thing is that Spurs' ambitions have changed. So they're now, in what well, you know, in theory anyway, they're not just being, they're not hoping to battle and for for a top four place and you know try and nick fourth. Their aims are a lot higher. So if you're aiming higher, you you also, as well as all those factors you've listed, you need a much stronger squad. Which takes us on to Ivan Perisic. Now, if I wasn't such a, an ingrained ageist, which I seem to be about footballers. I'd be saying this is just an, a, a fantastic signing. One of the best players of the last decade and a half. If you're if you're good enough to get 100 caps in that Croatian team, trust me, you can play football. Uh, it's only his age that makes me wonder if, if it's the right thing. And he looks, he looks you know, racehorse fit to me as well. Where's he going to play 
uh, Jack at left left wing back. Yeah, I'd imagine he'll play left wing back. That's where he played for Conte in the uh, 2020-21 season, where Inter won Serie A very well. Like he's, I know he's old, but oh, he's not that. It's he, what he's, he's 33. He's actually yeah. uh, he's six months younger than me, so it's depressing to talk about how old he is. But he's you're um, not required to run up and down he, a, a football. Well, pitch no, all day. thank you for that. Um, um, his running stats are still really good. Like he's really quick. Like he remains really quick at his age. Um, I think he's going to be. A, I think he's a brilliant signing. I'm really, really excited about Perisic coming in. It's so. It's really rare for Tottenham to sign like an established legend like him. Like Urente and Edgar Davids were the two other examples I could think of from the last sort of twenty years of Tottenham signing like a big established star in his thirties. You know, he's had an amazing career. He was an absolute hero at the World Cup in 2018. I was lucky. I was at the semi-final against England and then the final against France at, at the Luzhniki where he scored what I think is one of the great World Cup final goals. It's kind of forgotten because there were mm. so many goals scored in that game. That is an amazing goal. The way that he just destroyed N'Golo Kante like that and then smashed it into the bottom corner with his left foot. He's an incredible athlete. He's weird. He's a weird player because he's he's kind of a winger, but he doesn't look like a winger because he's such a big guy. He's tough, isn't he? Um yeah, and I think he's going to score a lot of goals for Tottenham because the one thing that like Tottenham don't, don't really have from their wing backs, especially on the left, Regulon and Sessegnon, they don't really make those kind. They don't. Re- or, I mean, they don't really score goals. Sessegnon has barely scored scored that many, given how many he scored for Fulham. Whereas I reckon Perisic will have a lot of joy, you know, attacking the back post. It will be Doherty or Royale or whoever, uh, Adama Traore on the right, kind of puts the cross in and then nobody expects Perisic and then bang, he comes in at the far post and heads it in. So yeah, uh, I'm really excited about this. I've got to say, Adama Traore and uh, Ivan Perisic as wingbacks, how Spurs is that? That is the most Spurs <laughs> lineup ever put together. Um, always when we get these, the last question, before we have a quick break, Charlie, always when you bring in a player of this standard, can't really sustain the idea of having three left wingbacks in the mm. squad and, and Ben Davis. Um, so who's going? Uh, it, it looks at the moment, unless I'm misreading the runes of the people who think they're in the know, but in fact are transfer tittle-tattlers, um, it looks like it's going to be Reguilon, yeah? Yeah, that, that's the way it's headed. I, th- I think, you know, Sessegnon basically supplanted Reguilon in the second half of the season as Conte's first choice. And now, um, yeah, now I think it'll be left to Sessegnon and Perisic to battle out for that spot, which is nice. That's got quite a nice balance to it, you know, but b- both of them can do that job pretty well, offer things slightly different. I mean, I love how two-footed Perisic is as well. That's something, you know, obviously fit, fitting well with Son Heung-min. Yes, but it looks like Regulon. I mean, Regulon, strange one, if he if he is to go. I mean, it's been a for someone who I thought when they signed him, certainly after his debut, I thought it was against Chelsea in the League Cup, was, was amazing and, and looked like one of those guys you sign and you can just forget about that position for five, the next five to ten years. But um, yeah, it hasn't, hasn't really worked out for him. They, they'll also... It might, you know, hope to get decent money for him. Um, yeah, I think that's know. one of the. I think that's a good argument for selling Regulon is the fact that he's very sellable. Like he, you know, he's yeah, young. And they don't have loads of those players. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he, you know, he's a good age. He's played for Spain. He's played for Real Madrid. He's done really well at Sevilla. He plays in a position that there aren't that many guys who play in that. You know, compared to other positions on the pitch, and he's got a. There's quite a lot of upside to his game, even if he can be quite frustrating player at times so I think it also yeah. I think he's on a um, I think kind of in terms of the the way the deal was done in the first place I think you know Tottenham it was a two-year free loan I think and Tottenham are due to pay for him this summer so it kind of makes sense I mean lo- lots of things good about him he appears to be a really good influence about the place he he clears to like playing for Spurs his athleticism is unquestioned I have a little tiny barometer that I always watch with 
with footballers because of the speed at which the game is being played these days. We remarked before we came on air um, that even if you go back 10 years, um, the game was appreciably slower. It's simply this. I think Sergio is one of those. Is he in control of the ball? He's one of those who I think the ball is often in control of him. And mm. I, I wonder at the, he very, plays at miles at the very, very, very top level of the Premier League whether that is quite enough. Um, I've got no problem with him. He's been a good lad and uh, and uh, I've enjoyed some. When you see him running past the last two of the opposition's right-sided players, you think, whoa, look at that boy go. Um, yeah. it'll be, it will be a matter of small regret that it hasn't worked out for him. And I'm sure he'll have a good career somewhere else. Let's have a quick break. If he was just five, if he was just a, sorry, if he was just like five percent better when he gets the ball in the final third, he could be Jordi Alba. But unfortunately, yeah, but that five percent is the like, hardest five percent to attain, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, very, 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 and it's very easy for me to sit here, yeah. and say, why isn't that professional footballer even better at football than he is? <laughs> and yeah, it's what I do all the time. But yeah, because it's, it's like so much of his game is so good, and yeah, he's just, I kind of feel like he's just for now at least he's not quite there. We'll, we'll talk about who else uh, Don uh, Fabio will be looking to move on in, in a quick break. And we'll talk about other transfers coming down the pipeline and much else besides, including the news that's broken this morning, that finally Paris Saint-Germain have put the former Spurs manager Maurizio Pochettino out of his misery. You're listening to The View from the Lane. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, welcome back to uh, this uh, first edition, really, of the mid-season, in-between-season, inter-season versions of The View from the Lane. I'm Danny Kelly. With me, as you've been hearing, Charlie Eccleshare and Jack Pitbrook. Still a lot to get through. We won't let it run to two hours like the award-winning podcast with which we ended last season. And thank you very much to all those who voted for the two different prestigious awards that it pulled down in the last couple of weeks. 
Other signings, people. I see the name of Jed Spence. Why is this one taking so long, Charlie? And is it definitely going to happen? Well, to be fair, he's been away. You, you mentioned the internationals mm-hmm. delaying things, and he has been away until you know the last couple of days. So that that's a big reason. I think it will. I mean, the, my understanding is Spurs are the front runners to use kind of football transfer speak. The sense has been for a while that Spurs has been his preferred destination. So he's a Londoner, think, isn't know, he? Yes, um, and that was even before you know Spurs qualified for the Champions League. So n- now that they have done, you think that puts them in a really strong position. So I, I think that will be the next one after Basuma, um, and unless they kind of accelerate another that nips in in between, or that Spence for whatever reason takes a while. But I don't think I. Yeah, famous last words, but uh, I think that's far more likely to happen than not. Yeah, he's had a great season at Forest, and he's homegrown as well, which is very yeah, important. Yeah, of course. Scotland. We, we we know Jack destroyed Arsenal earlier in the yeah. uh, when they played them in January. That, that seems to have gone a long way to getting Basuma a move as well, doesn't doesn't it? <laughs> um, Jack, we know that Conte has a preference, not necessarily an obsession with, but a preference for uh, experienced players. Um, it, What's the what's the danger of Spence coming straight into the team over the heads of, of Doherty and Emerson Royal? Well, to be honest, I don't think it's I I don't imagine that Doherty and Royale will both be there no, at the start of the season. Uh, I think that they're probably on the list of players that Tottenham, you know, they're not desperate to sell, but equally they're not averse to selling either. It'll probably depend on what interest they get. I'd imagine that Royale would be more sellable than Doherty by virtue of you know being younger and having played for Barcelona and all the rest. Of yeah, it. Uh, I do think he's a good he's a good player, Royale. He's just not he's not really what Tottenham need for the, in the way that in the way that they now play under Conte. Although he did you know he did prove a lot of people a few people wrong at the end of the season. He did he did he did by, by a subtle change though. He was obviously been instructed not to cross the ball anymore. In the mm. last yeah. half a dozen games, yeah, yeah. he attempted virtually no crosses. That can't be coincidence that the weakness Conte agree, just yeah. took That's the weakness out of his game, didn't he? Yeah. I reckon it'll be Spence, maybe Spence plus Doherty going into the new season, but um, which I think would be good. But I wouldn't completely rule out the possibility of them adding another if they can find a good, experienced player who can play in that position. Obviously, it's not a very, it's not an easy position to recruit in, as Tottenham have found over the last few years. Maybe we could see a slightly different balance going into next season. But yeah, I, th- I think again that given um, the demands of the job, I think having Doherty as a kind of second choice. Is is fine, um, or, or Emerson Royale? Um, I think that it, it would be a big upgrade having someone like Spence who can offer a bit more quality in the final third. I think that'll make a massive difference. But yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think Royale is probably the more valuable asset uh, given Doherty's age. I mean, Doherty is the only thirty-something outfielder in the Spurs squad, which is kind of. Uh, strange and speaks to how young actually that group is, which I think is something. Son under, will be getting there relatively soon. Won't Son, Son will soon yeah. join him yeah. next month. But I think, yeah, based on what Doherty did last season, he can definitely be a useful kind of second choice right wing back or as a sub, you know, with the five subs rule. Great. We talked about him as an agent of chaos. Chuck him on as your fifth sub with 10 minutes left and see what havoc he wreaks. I could love the idea of throwing on Tottenham starting a game with Sessignon and Spence, for example, at wing back. And uh, then with, you know, 15 minutes left, Perisic and Doherty on. But, you know, to get it launched, both guys piling yeah. into the box. The double wing-back target man 
approach, just pure chaos and just Hugo Luis launching it. That's that's what I want to see. I have to see this. Absolutely, and you're going to see um, that and the opposite with the five subs rule uh, coming in. You're going to see teams, and this is what they, they haven't thought through, I think you're going to see teams in the Premier League where they have these vast squads um, who get two up after an hour, bringing on five defenders. They'll play nine at the back and just get you know manage the game. Equally, when Arsene Wenger used to throw on three forwards to go with the three he'd already started with, you're <laughs> going to see pe- people ending with eight forward players on the pitch. It's going to be, a f- and it's another fascinating aspect of a season. You're right. It will be really interesting to see how that's used and abused. That the, this rule. We're moving on now to centre back, and I have not warned either our producer or you two about it. So bear with me. I want to introduce you to a new name um, here, Francis Buckley. Let me read the people who Spurs have been linked with at left centre-back. Alessandro Bastoni, Josco Gavridol, Pau Torres, Mark Gay, Jelson Bremer, Stefan de Vrij, Clement Longley. The next person I know on the planet who is left-footed and plays centre-back is Francis Buckley. And he played with me on Hackney Marshes 40 years ago. I played right centre-back. Francis is a very much better player than me. But how far down this list do you go before Francis is dragged out of retirement? I know he spends a lot of time in the boozer these days. I was talking to him a little while back. Uh, this list, I want to go, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with this question, Charlie. How far down this list of desirable left-sided centre-backs do you have to go before you say, actually, Ben Davis is better than that fella? That, that is a, I mean... Sorry, Francis, I know you're not really going to come out of retirement, but Ben Davis... That is an interesting one. I mean, I'd be curious, though, as well to know given how brilliant Ben Davis has been, I think often managers, what they like to do is even when they sign an exciting new player, they'll often start them on the bench and kind of say, you've got the shirt uh, to the existing player. I mean, do you remember when AVB signed Lloris and and Brad Friedel was Spurs' starting keeper for the first seven, eight games of the season in a kind of, look, he's the number one, you've got to earn it. And, and you know, it caused a big hoo-ha and sure enough, he did. But I imagine, depending on who it is, but if it is one of those target slightly further down the list i mean obviously if, you, if you're bringing in a kind of big name bastoni or whoever then this probably doesn't happen but yeah so I, I don't know if there's a world in which conte says well if we can't get one of the top targets we bring someone in more as competition for davis but i do think they, that is a position he's wanted to upgrade as, as jack reported months ago for a long long time yeah so my my impression at the moment is that i mean clearly bastoni is the first choice at the moment i think i think Vardiol, who i think is incredibly highly rated. Is probably going to be beyond Tottenham this summer. Just you know, expensive, Leipzig very would, expensive. Leipzig would want eighty million plus. My my guess is that Cavadio will end up maybe staying there and then going to you know a, a really top 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 team in a year or two's time, whether that's Bayern or Liverpool or City or whoever. They really want Bastoni. They've obviously been speaking. The ball's really an Inter's court. You know, one are they going to get Gleason Bremer from um, from Torino, who is one of the most in demand, not super expensive centre backs on the market this summer? Uh, Inter want him a lot, but so did AC Milan, so did Chelsea. If Inter can get Bremer through the door, then I think they will, or they will sell a centre back because Inter need to make a profit in this in this summer, just like they did, just like they need to make a profit last summer. They could sell Bastoni to Tottenham for let's say 50, 60 million, and then they pocket a big profit, having spent less than that on Bremer. They could sell Milan Skriniar maybe to PSG. Um, Skriniar obviously Tottenham nearly signed back when Jose Mourinho was Tottenham manager. They wouldn't make quite as much money if they sold Skriniar. And there's also like a injury issue with Skriniar, which I think is slightly muddying the waters on this a bit so it's it's all really up in the air at the moment if they if Inter decide to keep Bastoni and sell Skriniar instead 
then obviously Tottenham will have to look elsewhere. I think they might have to end up going back to Pau Torres, who's a player who they went for last year, turned them down. He wasn't initially on the list this season, but they could have to, they could be forced to go back in for him. Maybe they'll go for Sven Botman, who was on the list at the start of uh, earlier in the season, but Botman is, I think, close. I think Newcastle are trying for him for I think, yeah. the thousandth yeah. time. AC Milan want Botman as well. I imagine that if AC Milan don't get Bremer, then maybe they'd try harder for Botman. And the other name you mentioned is Mark Gahey, who Tottenham do really like. He's got four years left in his Palace contract, and Palace have got absolutely no reason to, to sell him to Tottenham this summer unless they get a ridiculous bid. So, yeah, no news, no hard news on this yet, but let's, let's wait and see how it develops in the next few weeks. Just the last word on that, you know, if they do bring somebody in, um, Ben Davis will be still absolutely an essential member of that squad because he can play left centre-back. He can play left-back if they ever have to go to a four for injury or tactical reasons. He can play left-wing-back, um, not as dynamically perhaps as some of the people that got there, but he won't, he won't be a problem. I hope that everyone understands, I'm sure Conte understands just you know how important a consistent and uncomplaining fellow like Ben Davis is. But they kind of got, they. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with any of that. They got really lucky with Davis, the fact that Davis could play, what, 34 out of 36 games for Conte? I think after Conte came in, having barely played under Nuno. Like, imagine if, got, if Davis got injured. Like, the whole the whole ha- mm. pack, pack of cards would have collapsed because they've got there literally, was literally no, no one else. There's literally yeah. nobody else who can do that job. No. So, given how important, given the way that Tottenham play, if you can afford to get a better alternative to Davis, or even, you know, yeah. an alternative as good as Davis, you have to do it because next season... You're playing twice a week, not once a week. Davis has got a World Cup in the middle of the season, and then who you know who knows how that will go for Wales. So you can't just. You, I know. I know Ben Davis is great and has been great, and I love. I love how well he's done. He's, a, but it's it's it would be ridiculous to go into this season with only one man who can play in that role. Oh, and I think he's. Really I mean, I, I, what I was really making the point that he's preposterously. Yes, Spurs fans, you're all listening to us. I know in your millions now. Um, I'm looking at you. He's preposterously underrated um, by he the is, Spurs, yeah. by the Spurs Conyusenti. Uh, I don't think anymore. No, I, mean, I, I hope think, not. I, think, I hope not. I hope not. I think after last season, a lot of people. Change that you know, change their view on him. Made a huge one, one of the biggest moments of his whole career the other week, which was that that tackle on Yarmolenko when Yarmolenko was about to score in the Wales Ukraine World Cup playoff, which obviously Wales made it through in the end. And I'm really, I mean, you know, obviously we talk a lot about Gareth Bale and him getting Wales to the World Cup and how important it is to him. It's also hugely important to Davis. You know, Davis has been on this yep. journey. Just as long as Bale has, he's been hugely important to Wales at crucial moments. You know, the famous block goal line clearance from Marek Hamzik in the Slovakia game in Bordeaux in Euro 2016. Um, and it's, you know, we should say how happy we are for, for Davis as well as for Bale. Yep. That he's going to be in Qatar playing for Wales, which, you know, the first Wales team to get to World Cups in 1958. And Joe Rodon, though, I don't suppose he'll be on Spurs' books. But who knows? Um, by that come let's talk, let's let's bring the podcast to an end that nobody wants but uh, the the laws of time space and uh, uh, electronic broadcasting insist that we must end at some stage by talking about two old boys christian Eriksen. everyone can put two and two together he likes london he likes the champions league lali 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 la i suppose genuinely interested in christian Eriksen, charlie yeah they are and a lot of other teams are as well i mean we report the Athletic reported this week that um, Man United are yeah going for him. We'll, we'll we'll have to wait and see, but I, I mean that's definitely one that they would like to do. And I mean then you're talking about a lot of options in 
kind of midfield area given where he plays. I mean, obviously he offers something very different, but again, it shows that they 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 really want this big varied squad so that they have lots and lots of different options. And I have to say, I mean, I, was, I had some skepticism about whether it was the best idea Maybe partly just because it seemed to make too much sense. I was kind of thinking there must be a reason. Yeah, not it starts to, do it, to border then... into sentimentality then if it makes so much yeah. sense, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, a little bit. And then having actually watched him up close in the Brentford Spurs game in April, I was just, he absolutely took my breath away with his intelligence, his two footedness, the spatial awareness, everything. It was just seeing it all there again. Spurs um, have missed it for two and a half years, you know. Yeah, yeah. well, exactly. As, as many people have said, you know, finally they found the Christian Eriksen replacement and it's Christian Eriksen. So, yeah, it's another one. I mean, obviously, again, no no transfer fee. That said, it's, uh, you know, all these deals come with, you know, a, a lot of expense and it is a bit of a departure from Paratici's stated transfer policy of signing younger players. But Conte's policy is a bit more varied than that, shall we say. You know, he wants players who can come in and do a job straight away and struggle to think why Ericsson couldn't come in and do a job straight away. The issue there, Jack, will be um, Ericsson, to me, can't really be part of a two. He has to be part of a three in midfield. And would um, Conte, is he tactically malleable enough to decide, okay, I'm going to take one of these players off and play with two up front with Christian behind them? Because he did do it when the Scudetto was slipping away from him at Inter Milan. They weren't creating enough chances for Lautaro Martinez and Romelu Lukaku. He or somebody else told him they got Ericsson the team for the, really it was only the last third of the season and then the aforementioned strikers couldn't stop scoring and they and they romped away with the title. It, I think he'd be a great option, I do. Yeah, he, I think he'd be a great option. I mean, it took a while for Ericsson and Conte to click it in. So, but then that is often the way, I think, with with Conte and creative players. You know, it's the same with Fabregas at Chelsea. But eventually, you know, if by having him in what's sort of three four one two system, it did work really well. And maybe it would be really good for Tottenham if they had the option of doing that again this season. Obviously, it would be bad news for Kuliszewski, who I imagine would be the man to make way. But it would, you know, like we were just saying, they do need alternatives. One other thing that we should mention is Tottenham's interest in Rafinha. This was a story that uh, some of our Adam Crafts and James McNicholas did the other day. Rafinha is on the is on Tottenham's list. They really like him. I think he would be cheaper than Richarlison, who who they also like. And again, like this is the fact that Tottenham would be looking at players who would not definitely come in. I mean, Richarlison would. I think Richarlison would be competing pretty evenly with Kulusevski for that for that position if they were to sign him. But these these guys are really expensive, and so for Tottenham to be looking for great for expensive good players who would not necessarily be starters every game. That, as Charlie was saying earlier, that just shows what a sort of different approach Tottenham are having. This is this is kind of like the the you know the City or Liverpool approach, really. Let's see how many of them they actually sign. Uh, it's my well, yeah. it's my note of caution. Everybody should be interested in Rafinha. Everyone should be interested in Richarlison because, of course, he can play all three of those positions with equal uh, alacrity. So uh, that would be that would be yeah, grand. That'd be great. That'd be great. And R- Rafinha, who would be cheaper, would I think you know can play in lots of different positions as well. And he even played wing back at times this. season season uh so not with any great success love... to be fair but that, well, no but, but I'd in love a better to see team her. he might be yeah. yeah yeah i'd love to see him him at spurs and again like the fact that they're going for these players does just show how the financial power tottenham have at the moment you know i think i, I someone told me the other day that the great deco rafinha's agent would mm-hmm. i think would most like to take rafinha to barcelona where of course he played so well but tottenham have a lot more money than barcelona this summer yeah. they you know barcelona have huge financial problems tottenham have got Premier League money, they've got stadium money, they've got this new 
cash injection. They've got Champions League money coming in next season. Tottenham are in a really, really good state, and they can th- and they can afford to throw their weight around and compete with Barcelona for players. And as already we've seen uh, with to a lesser extent Erling Haaland, but certainly with with Darwin Nunes, um, this is the genuinely this is the first properly the dust has settled post COVID transfer window, and the Premier League clubs are miles ahead of everybody else in terms of just yeah. spare cash lying around. The, the 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 con of that is that it's really hard to sell your players to anyone else because they're all on two hundred grand a week. Yeah. Well, yeah. So like you know we, we're talk, we're you know when you're when you're doing your kind of fag packet maths of like okay who can we get out the yeah. door this season okay well Celso, they love him in Spain we get you know, let's get thirty million for him you know it's like well yeah really even someone like Celso, who teams in Spain do really like they're still going to be haggling over every pound and probably ideally you know looking to do loans with with options or obligations and things like that. I would say as well, though, yeah, I mean, Rafinha is one of those, like Basuma, who is, I just think, is amazing. When, again, whenever I see him, I think he's amazing. And linking back to what I was saying about this all seeming a little too common sense, uh, I mean, this is what a lot of Spurs fans have been crying out for for years. You know, why don't we why don't we go after some of the best players in the championship? Well, Jed Spence. Why don't we bully the teams, you know, the non-Big Six teams and get their best players? Well, Basuma, Rafinha are probably the two in my mind, two, certainly two of the best players outside of the big six. Ward-Prowse, um, yeah. Yeah, Ward-Prowse, but he has more obvious limitations to me. Like, I don't think yeah. he gets around the pitch all that brilliantly. Um, whereas these two guys, I feel you, you could just plug in and they'll, they'll slot into any of those big teams. So, but yeah, I mean, th- this is that that's the thing. Jack used was talking about how they're in such a strong position financially and I think they are. And I think... They feels like they they might just bully a few of these teams, and especially in in COVID times when the yeah, I mean it's, it's not um, some I feel bully sounds like a sort of pejorative term, but it's, it's what big clubs do. Oh, I, I love they, I love they, the way uh, clubs who are who are selling their players uh, make out they've been bullied into accepting sixty million quid uh, oh, yeah, for exactly. a, for a just above average footballer. Uh, let's end with another old boy. We start with Christian Eriksen here. And apologies to Fraser Forster, who we've not mentioned at all uh, during the length of this podcast. Uh, Maurizio Pochettino has been relieved of his uh, expensively remunerated duties at Paris Saint-Germain. There doesn't seem to be any any traction at all for the idea that Antonio Conte will replace him. Six weeks ago, he'd have been favourite. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's now, that's not something Spurs fans really have to worry about. Which it, which is a lovely place to be, as you say. There were there were those murmurings from France, whenever it was a couple of, well, it was a long time ago now. I mean, it was sometime in May, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, no, I don't think that's uh, that's something we need to worry about now. It looks like um, my uh, my good friend and Andy Brassell tells me that uh, Christian Christian Galtier will be the manager there. Um, ironically, um, somebody who uh, in theory would make a very good manager for Spurs at some stage, uh, given the way he plays the game. I think that's it. Unless anyone else has got anything else they want to add, uh, this because everything's moving so quickly, all things are moving at all times, as Churchill used to say. Okay, thank you both very much indeed uh, to Charlie and Jack there, and thank you for listening. And remember, if you're not already a subscriber to the Athletic, then you can sign up right now to read all of our articles on Spurs as well as everything else on the site. And there is plenty for you to read over the summer now that the transfer window is finally open. Just go to theathletic.com/spurspod. And sign up right now for just £1 a month for six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in a week's time. The Athletic.